Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Formula One-on-One podcast, the Miami Grand Prix just won, and I am beyond ecstatic at the results. Sashwa, I don't know how you're feeling about it. I mean... I mean, it was... It was... Well, okay. We we talked about this during the race. It was a very <laughs> boring race up until the safety car happened. Like, Max Verstappen made his overtake on lap one for over Carlos, and then what was it? Over like, Carlos, lap, yeah. And then what, like, lap three, he overtook Charles, and then from there it was pretty much the Max Verstappen show, which we will talk about, because I was kind of pissed off about this whole, like, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc domination of the TV feed. There were all of these fun battles happening after the safety car restart, and they didn't show any of them unless it was a replay, so I did not like that. Okay, like, to be fair, though, I mean, it was a battle at the front, and of course they're going to want to show that on the broadcast, but... I, I think it's just because that Russell-Hamilton battle was, like, looking insane. They just kept swapping places, and I really wanted to watch that. But when there's less than a second gap of the two cars in front, like, I understand why the broadcast is going to focus on that. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, but otherwise, I think, like, it was an entertaining race. I thought it was, like, a very, very good weekend all in all as well. I mean, I think that there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, obviously a first race at a new venue is always fun. I think it went better than a lot of people were expecting. Um, I know there were jokes about like, oh, it's a parking lot race, but I think they made a pretty good track for what it was. And I, I'm excited to come back here next year and for the next nine years now. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting. I'm, I mean, I just want to give everyone an update on the driver's championship because, because Leclerc is at 104 first driver to cross the hundred point threshold or not threshold, but just the milestone. Uh, Verstappen's only 19 points behind now, sitting at 85. Mm-hmm. Perez at 66. George Russell, 59. And then Carlos Sainz in P5 with 53 points. So things are getting a bit closer in the constructor battle. I mean, it's only, what, six points between uh, Ferrari and Red Bull at this point. Yeah, I think that this was obviously a very, very good weekend for Red Bull. You know, they have now clawed back with their 1-2 in Imola and now this 1-4 performance here in Miami I think they've they've brought it back from the early first couple of races that they you know maybe had those reliability issues in between Bahrain and Australia I think it is starting to heat up I mean we have you know some more classical tracks coming up now we have Spain in two weeks and following that we have Monaco I think this is going to be very interesting going into it I think going into the summer this is exactly what you want we've had some entertaining races to start the season but now we're getting into the, uh, I guess, into crunch time, and this is what this is what makes it fun when it's close. Yeah, and honestly, what I just thought of like two seconds ago was since the difference between P three and P four is three points, like if those drivers swap, that's a six point swing. So if Checo was able to stick that that move in the final few laps yeah. against Carlos, then we would actually be tied in constructors right now. But unfortunately, yeah. he couldn't. So here we are, six points apart, which is extremely close. I don't think we've had a constructor's battle like this close. I know Red Bull and Mercedes was close last year, but Mercedes was seemingly always ahead after like Silverstone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're finally getting, I, I mean, it kind of sucks that we have another like two horse, no pun intended, like battle. Um, but I, I think that this is, like you said, it's been competitive. We know what Charles is capable of. We obviously know what Max is capable of. Um, I think that this is just going to kind of be a back and forth throughout the summer and then as we get into the into the fall and winter months. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think, you know, this is a great start to a season. I think this is, I couldn't have asked for anything better. I mean, maybe a little less boring at Australia. But outside of that, I mean, pretty entertaining so far. Uh, normally I'd be like, all right, Sash, I want to talk about qualifying or let's talk about qualifying, something 
along those lines. But I'm going to be honest, I was not at home yesterday during qualifying. I kind of just had to keep up through uh, the yeah. group the group text and you texting me what was going on. And obviously, I got to see the highlights on the YouTube channel. But if yeah. you want to run us through Q1, Q2, Q3, anything notable that happened, please do. Because I am not apt to be talking about this at all. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think qualifying session that went a lot smoother than people were expecting. I don't think we had any red flags, no kind of like bumps into the wall. Um, you know, obviously we saw throughout the three practice sessions leading up to qualifying a couple of drivers spinning, hitting the wall, obviously just things that'll happen at the new track. Um, yeah, I think the main, I guess maybe the main surprise that kind of carries us into the rest of the episode, George Russell out in Q2 while Hamilton makes it into Q3. Both AlphaTauri's make it into Q3 for the first time. I think Fernando Alonso also missed out on Q3. Um, so just like a couple of weird placings. Um, the Haas has had a bit of an off weekend this weekend. You know, it started with their P15, P16 qualifying here this weekend. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what went wrong for them. But, um, you know, all in all, a pretty like straightforward and boring qualifying session almost. I mean, you know, we saw Leclerc on pole. Max was kind of behind him all weekend up until today, honestly, just because, you know, his car had some issues. He couldn't get any running in practice too. He was, you know, really limited. He only got, I think it was like five actual laps on Friday. And then he had an hour on track for practice on Saturday, on Saturday, and then straight into qualifying in the race. So, you know, we will talk about it, but what a weekend for Max, you know, with such little preparation at a new circuit to, um, to pull out this kind of win, I think is very, very impressive. Yeah, I think so too. And one thing that I did note about qualifying at least like in my head when I was looking at the results was the fact that Lance Stroll got into Q3 so mm -hmm. I mean that's a pretty big thing for the Aston Martins we've seen the entire season they've been way behind everyone and obviously we're going to talk about a a bit of a screw up that they had before yeah. the race but you know it is nice seeing that they were able to get one of those cars up in the Q3 it's mm -hmm. not completely dead last in the field but it certainly is is down there among the the bottom few teams yeah, I think that this is hopefully what is a start of a positive trend for Aston Martin. I mean, they had some good moments today. I know the the result wasn't theirs. I don't believe I don't think either car was in the points at the end of the day, um, which is fine. I mean, you know, considering where they started from the pit lane, I think that's you can't really expect points from them. You know, it's hard to work your way through the field. Um, but you know, hopefully, just a better qualifying performance is the first step towards points in future races. So um, I'm hopeful for them to say the least. Yeah, me too. And now we can kind of get into the race. I mean, like we were saying, after the first like five laps, we kind of just sat and watched nothing for yeah. a very long time. I was really expecting a, an interesting pit phase. Like they were mm -hmm. talking about before the race in the pre-race show, like, oh, it's really hot. We don't really know how these tires are going to react or mm -hmm. we, we're not too sure what's going to happen. But it seemed like you know, there wasn't anything too exciting that was happening during the pit phase. And I think that's largely due to the fact that after Max got past Charles that first time, or I mean, it was the only time Charles never got past him again. But after Max passed Charles, he started just building this huge gap. And, you know, if there wasn't the safety car, Max probably would have won this race by, I don't know, 15 plus seconds. Yeah. But there was the safety car um, showing that, you know, he didn't get that uh, race win of that margin. But the fact that there was that big of a gap that was forming that quickly between the two cars, it just really seemed like Red Bull had the better car today. And mm -hmm. the only real issue we saw with it was that there was that one point in the race where Checo was saying he's losing power, he's losing power. He The pit wall is like, oh, uh, we don't see anything wrong. And 
Jack was like, I'm literally losing three to four seconds on this straight. How are you going to tell me nothing's wrong? Which I thought was funny. But the interesting part about that was even through all that, he was still faster than Carlos, which was kind of amazing to me. And I don't know if that was a high, kind of like a hyperbole by Christian Horner saying that he was still faster than Carlos, but not that big of a gap formed when that happened, at least like not as big as you would expect. Yeah, I mean, kind of just going back to like the whole pit phase thing that you were mentioning, the most like interesting thing that happened in the pit phase was this long or slow stop for Carlos, I guess, if we're talking about the front four cars. I think his stop was like 4.1 seconds or something like that. It wasn't a great stop as compared to Charles or either of the Red Bull stops. Outside of that, like you said, nothing really interesting. You know, it was pretty straightforward. Max was pretty much in control of this race, even during the safety car. There was like, yeah, Charles got DRS for a few laps after, but nothing too crazy. I mean, going back to the to the setups of the cars, though, um, you know, I think it was during the grid walk. Martin Brundle got to interview Christian Horner, I think, with David Coulthard. And Christian made a pretty big point that, you know, we're looking at the Ferrari, we're looking at what their arrow looks like, and they have gone for very, very different setups. Red Bull, who we know are very good in the straight line, we've seen it over the first four races of the season, they went for a low downforce setup. And a low downforce setup, you know, traditionally suits cars that are stronger in fast lines, but also around circuits that don't require a lot of technical maneuvering. You know, not something you would, I guess, anticipate from Miami, maybe. You know, there is that turn 11 to turn 16 section that's like very narrowy, very windy. Um, but apparently, the low downforce setup was the better one today. Um, Christian did point out that the Ferraris have gone for higher downforce setups today, um, which does indicate, you know, a, prefer- a preference towards higher cornering speeds, but it's a trade-off on the straights. We know that Ferraris struggle a little bit on the straights just because of their porpoising, but also in general, uh, Red Bull just have found a way to be faster on the straights outside of that. And I think that I don't know really what Ferrari was doing with that setup. I mean, they were already strong in corners. That's something we've seen throughout the season. Um but, you know, a Red Bull masterclass, as I say so often, um, I think today. And it, it showed in Max's driving. And I would also argue Checo's driving. You know, he, I think he was very, very unlucky not to pull that move off and on Carlos at the end. Maybe if he had just braked a little earlier, if he had, you know, judged that corner a little better. You know, obviously fine margins we talk about in F1. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I think a good weekend from everyone involved at Red Bull, considering where they were on Friday after practices. Yeah, I was honestly really worried after everything on Friday happened because it looked like it was shaping up to be another weekend where one of the cars just broke down in the middle of the race and then we're just hoping the other car can finish somewhere on the podium. But um, it was still nice that we got uh, one car winning the race and then another one just behind the podium in P4. And honestly, Checo probably could have gotten on the podium had it not been for that kind of power stoppage and he could have passed Carlos at that point because he was like almost within a second or like just about to cross into the threshold where he could have DRS but the fact of the matter is he you know got unlucky with the car Red Bull has had reliability issues all year you know it's a broken record at this point and it's super disappointing to see because we know that Checo is definitely capable of racing with Carlos but he kind of got screwed there and then like we we're mentioning after the safety car happened he kind of misjudged the corner locked up and then Carlos was at least like a second and a half two seconds ahead after yeah. that and with only three four laps to go there's not much that he could do yeah I mean I think that you know there was a stage even before the power loss thing for Checo where he was catching Carlos I mean I don't know how much of that is set up. I think Checo, you know, we, again, broken record. He's a great driver. Um, 
you know, I, I have I had some choice words for Carlos Sainz throughout this race um, that maybe we can delve into later. But you know, I think Checo a little bit unlucky not to end up delve into them now. Yeah, I mean, what, drop drop your Carlos Sainz beef. Let's hear it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he was very lucky to be in P three today, Justin. I know you said it that like that is the beauty of F one that like you know he might have had a horrible race, but he ended up P three and it's good points for the team. And at the end of the day, team sport, blah blah blah. But you know, he was P two to start this race. He sold his position away. Um, horrible start. Gave it up to Max, which. You know, all credit to Max, by the way. It does take a lot. He did have to go around the outside. I like great overtake by Max, but Carlos, I think, has to do a little better on the defense there. Um, and then, you know, the fact that he allowed Checo to be catching him. And, you know, even if we take Christian Horner's, oh, he's Checo is faster than Carlos, even on low power, um, even if we take that with a grain of salt, I mean, the fact that it was even a question for Checo after the safety car to, you know, make that kind of lunge. And by all accounts, it was Checo's mistake that, you know, prevented him from taking P3. I think Carlos, very lucky to be on the podium today. I mean, hopefully this, you know, he, he, he can turn it around. I mean, maybe this is a result he needed after a two, 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 like straight run of shocking races, you know, Australia and then Imola. Um, but, you know, Hopefully this is an upturn for Carlos Sainz. You know, P3 is a good result, but I think, you know, his driving needs to, uh, he needs to uh, figure it out a little bit. But if, if he has any chance yeah. of, you know, contending for race wins at the very least, if not challenging Carlos. Yeah, I think even though it's a Ferrari versus Red Bull battle for the constructors, there's a very clear distinction between Leclerc versus Stappen and Checo and Sainz. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like Leclerc and Verstappen get way far ahead of them every single time it's them yeah. two at the front. And it's a trend that I feel like we're going to continue seeing this season, which I think is going to make these battles between Checo and Sainz that much more interesting mm-hmm. because that's probably going to be a big factor in determining the Constructors' champion. And then for those few races where Ferrari won two or Red Bull won two, they're going to make them that much more important. So I'm very curious to see how this kind of plays out over the course of the season. But the one... Well, I mean, I still have a few more things I want to mention about the race, but can we talk about how good George Russell was today implementing the Alex Albon strategy uh, where he just was playing it for the safety car? We saw him on like 37 lap old hards or something, Mm -hmm. and it ended up paying off. He got the safety car and he ended up finishing the race where like P5. Yeah, he was P5. Um, You know, so it it worked tremendously for him because where did he qualify again? So he knocked out in Q2. So he qualified P12. He had a pretty rough start. Great race from him. Yeah, he was as low as P15 at the start of the race. Um, I I guess he just got eaten up by some better starting cars around him. And then for him to basically play the safety car and play his tires all the way up to P5. So we'll call it a 10 place gain because he was effectively driving from P15 after that, you know, first opening lap shenanigans. Um, I think a great drive from him, huge recovery, great points for Mercedes. If I'm not wrong, Carlos or uh, Russell is now what P4 in driver standings, P5 maybe. He's P4? P5. He's six points behind George Russell. Who's one through? Oh, oh, Carlos is behind George. Yeah. So George is P4 in the standings. Oh, is that what you said? I thought you said Carlos. Sainz. Oh no, no, no. It's fine. Um, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's P four. He's actually also only seven points behind Checo, which is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of I. I guess being seven points behind Checo is okay. I mean, Checo has had one DNF. You know, Russell has been consistent. I think this is now five races in a row. Russell has been P five, P four, or P three. You know, that is the kind of consistency you need out of that. You know, Lewis Hamilton has been a little 
all over the place. You know, he didn't get points in Imola. Today was a P6 for him. I think, you know, I think an up weekend for Mercedes, maybe, I don't know. Like, I guess compared to what last weekend or two weekends I think was so. in Imola, you know, I, I, I think this is a, they're an outside looking in right now on Constructors' Champion or a Constructors' Title, if anything, or even race wins, to be quite honest. But, um, you know, a, tr- a step in the right direction, I think, for Mercedes, um, especially with... They seem to figure out the porpoising, at least on Friday. Um, that car looked quite good in P1, P2, uh, especially when it came to, um, you know, how they were uh, not bouncing around as compared to the first four races. Yeah, I think overall Mercedes has just been a lot better than they were in the beginning of the season. I still don't think they're going to have what's necessary to fight for the title, at least this year. But they are making leaps and bounds forwards. That makes me think they are definitely going to have a solid P3 um, in the World Constructor Championship. And that's also helped by the fact that, man, what what another awful weekend for McLaren. Yeah. Norris DNF and Daniel Ricciardo out of the points. What do they need to change at this point? I mean, it's this is just disgusting from them. (laughs) I I honestly think disgusting is a very good way of, (laughs) of putting it. Um, I <laughs> like, like seriously, you know, it's Norris, horrible right Norris now. What, qualified P8. I think Ricardo was knocked out in Q2. You know, it's not ideal. I mean, Zach Brown kind of chalked it up saying that there were issues with Daniel's car in, um, in qualifying, which is like, okay, fine. I understand. Like you can't really control that. Um, but also like, like, are we going back to where we were in Bahrain, man? Like, I, I don't know. This is like, it seems like, you know, we gave them pick up the pace in Bahrain and then they were, they improved in, uh, what was it? Jeddah. And then they had a decent race in Australia. And then Lando took a podium two weekends ago in Imola. And now like, here we are again, talking about McLaren being a horrible team or looking kind of at the bottom of the barrel. Like, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know how much more there is to say about it. Maybe Lando, go back to your normal helmet. Don't look like a basketball with like arms and legs maybe but like um outside of that i don't really know how much there is to say about mclaren i mean maybe you can kind of chalk it up to being unlucky that collision with gasly was a little weird i don't know what your thoughts on that are i mean i didn't see the collision with gasly too many times obviously um norris had a dnf because of it but i just think overall like even aside from that, the McLaren has just been really bad in general. And where Norris was barely fighting for points when he got knocked out, right? Like, he was down in 13 or 14 or somewhere, like, yeah. right at the edge of points. And Daniel Ricciardo, like, immediately dropped down to P18 after the pit phase uh, was over for everyone yeah. because he was the last one to pit. And honestly, I I don't really know what they need to do at this point because it, it seems like every other week they're... They fix their problem. They're good to go. They're ready. And then the next week, like this week, they're just, you know, bottom of the barrel again. So they're probably still P4 in the Constructors title because I don't see anyone else overtaking them currently. But I, I don't think they're going to be competing with Mercedes at, at the rate that Mercedes is upgrading their car. Yeah. I mean, if we just look at, like, McLaren season results, Bahrain, P14, P15, Saudi Arabia, P7, DNF. Australia, P5, P6, Imola, P3, P18, and then today in Miami, P11, and a DNF. Um, yeah, so it's just all over the place. Yeah. It's super, super inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think that they need to you know go to the drawing board, like rethink whether it's race strategy, whether it's some 
arrow or car upgrade. I don't know at this point what we can even suggest to McLaren, like just make a faster car. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think there's a lot of work to be done um, if you're a McLaren engineer or a McLaren mechanic. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think this is also kind of like another Daniel Ricardo. Like, I don't know how much we can really like pile on him this weekend. Um you know, I don't know. After this, I'm about to go hop on Twitter, and all the people who were like screaming <laughs> at me last week for saying Daniel Ricardo is inconsistent, I'm about to just like yeah. send them back a picture of him in him in P17 or wherever he ended up finishing the race. Yeah, I mean, technically P11, like it's right outside the points, but like if you're a McLaren, oh that's... wait, he finished in P11. Yeah, the safety car helped him a lot then. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. we'll talk it up to that. I mean, but still, if you're a McLaren, <laughs> you should not be. Like, you should not be contending for P11. That That is not what you're fighting for. Like, Alex Albon, again, P10 today, great drive from him. But, like, yes. Alex Albon, really? Like, that's who you're really? fighting in a Williams? <laughs> no disrespect to the man, but, like, he's driving a Williams. Come on. Like, no, this is not you, what you have to be better. You have to be better. Exactly. You you just have to. Um, I know you're talking about how we give, gave McLaren pick up the pace, and I want to say, sadly, that our blessing of pick up the pace has been, has been, you know, taken from us. We said at the end of Imola that Mick Schumacher, he needs to pick up the pace. And for, for a long time, it looked like he was going to. It was, he was it in was P9 so fighting for so fighting good. Alonso in P8. I was like, oh my God, he's about to get his first points. And then he tries to make a move on Sebastian Vettel and just absolutely kill Sebastian Vettel and then he has to pit has to get a new front wing and he just ruins his race so I'm really disappointed to see that from Nick but it looks like our streak has finally come to an end man I'm like actually I'm genuinely like distressed by this because for 50 out of 57 laps this looked like a good prediction and we were like okay we need to be like contacting the FIA investigated yeah, like, we, I don't know how we were pulling this off. And then I think it was, like, lap 52 or 53, he goes for, like, a turn one overtake on on Sebastian Vettel. And I think another car was there. Was, like, Fernando Alonso also part of that? There was, like, a third car there. N- not that it got affected, but at the same time, like, Mick, man, what are you doing? Like, this is not where you should be. Like, ugh, it's just frustrating. Also, the fact that Seb is kind of mixed, like, parental figure father figure kind of thing in f1 like you know has brought him up has raised him like we see all these times the comparisons being made like what michael schumacher was for vettel vettel is now for mick schumacher and it's like a nice passing of the torch you know i wish better for mick i think that he showed some sort of potential some sort of like positive flash today hopefully we see that in spain monaco going forward but Today, man, today was a rough one for Mick Schumacher and Haas in general. I, I don't think K-Mag had a, had a great day either. Yeah, and I don't even think it's just them. I mean, Alpine also had an incred- incredibly forgettable weekend. Alpha Tari, mm-hmm. incredibly forgettable. Yeah. It's just, I mean, there's just a bunch of different people who didn't have a great weekend. But was there anything that surprised you at all this weekend? Um surprised i mean how much i i mean we talked about this in formation lap but how much i kind of liked the entire weekend um you know i i think maybe like less f1 related but more so like overall grand prix related um i don't know how much of martin brundle's grid walk you watched today um but i watched like some of it man it was like overly chaotic um 
for our American listeners, there was a moment where he was told that, like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is over there, and then he went to, like, interview some guy who looked nothing like Patrick Mahomes, and he kept calling (laughs) him Patrick, and it just wasn't him. Um, Also, DJ Khaled dropped another one, like, on live international television. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, I I was watching during that. Yeah, so that happened. Who else did he interview? I I guess, like, David Beckham. like lots of like one of the a lot Williams of, sisters, I saw him with. Yeah, I mean, I, I made a joke about this, but like, what a big branding failure that Serena and Venus Williams were not in the Williams garage. Like, haha. Um, <laughs> also, like, That's so stupid. We also like joke about this a lot, but what does it mean for LeBron's legacy that he was not spotted at the Miami GP? Like, they didn't show him. Where was he? I was told LeBron would be here because he's not in the playoffs. He's not playing tonight. Um. But, you know, I think a fun weekend. I enjoyed it, and I think that's pretty much all that can be said about it. Um, I guess we can kind of move on to more of our, like, segments that we've kind of alluded to earlier. Yeah, sure. So did you want to start with Pick Up the Pace, or did you want to start with Brad of the Week? Um, I guess we did talk about Driver of the Day already, didn't we, with George Russell? Um, oh, did we? I mean, yeah, yeah. Driver of the Day I'm giving to George Russell. Yeah, I jokingly voted for Max, like, actually happened um because i was just excited that he was going to win the race but then uh and then i looked at how george russell did and i was like oh never mind george russell definitely deserves this i mean that was a really great play Mm -hmm. looking for the safety car i mean everyone was kind of expecting at least one to happen this weekend i think we were also surprised that it didn't involve latifi but we all knew that it was going (laughs) to come at some point so it was a really smart move from him and then he put it an excellent drive and mm-hmm. that battle he had against Hamilton again in the end and he ended up prevailing in that. So I, I absolutely think he's the driver of the day. Yeah, I think that's all we can really say. I think, you know, great drive from George Russell to recover from a not so great qualifying and then not so great start um, to capitalize on mm-hmm. points and, you know, a good a good finish for I think where Mercedes are as a team right now in, in comparison to the to the rest of the field. Um so I think I think overall a good drive. I guess we can jump in to pick up the pace. We touched about it. McLaren, disgusting, shocking, foul weekend from them. You know, how much more can we really say that hasn't already been said about their their issues, their, you know, potential desire to get rid of Daniel Ricciardo, one of their, you know, main signings last year who was supposed to revitalize their team. Um, you know, I know we've said some things about Carlos Sainz right now a couple minutes ago, Justin, but um, do do you think McLaren is regretting this move, letting Carlos go? I would if I were them, but also McLaren just doesn't have a good car in general. So it's super Mm -hmm. disappointing to see, especially after last year when it looked like they were going to be up in the uh, top four teams, which they are, but we all thought that they were going to be competing for maybe a P3 this year. It doesn't really look like that's going to happen with the current state of the car. And obviously Mm -hmm. we don't know what type of upgrades they're eventually going to bring. And Norris is only one point behind Hamilton. So it's not like it's the end of the world, but Unless something changes for Daniel Ricciardo soon, I mean, he has less points than Kevin Magnuson right now. Okay, let me say that one more time. <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo, in a McLaren, has less points than Kevin Magnuson, who is in a Haas. So, I, I know yeah. that the Haas is better this year, but you are in a McLaren, and the mm-hmm. McLaren of Lando Norris is competing with Lewis Hamilton. So, w- what are you doing down there? It's it's awful for him, and I, I honestly don't know what they see in him at this point. And I could, I know we were talking about it in the formation lap episode, like a potential swap between him and Pierre Gasly. And if I'm Zach Brown, that swap cannot come quick enough because I think 
Pierre Gasly is going to be a much better fit in the car. But also, then you look at Pierre Gasly, and he has less points than Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah. So what's going on this season? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, my my I, Gasly. If I'm McLaren, I'm just. I'm just completely lost if I'm Zach Brown, actually, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the right move is today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, a little shocking to see how poorly Daniel has performed. I mean, you know, we went over the results, but, you know, just to give you a sense of this, Justin, listen to this. Daniel Ricardo, P14, DNF, P6, P18, P11. Like, one points finish in four in five races? Are you kidding? I was wondering how he had 11 points, but I guess then that means he just got some points from the sprint. Yeah, yeah, he got P6 in the Imola sprint, so... Um, okay, I guess so like, he got three points. Yeah, something like that. I, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, oh my god. Okay, well, I don't know if I want to talk about McLaren anymore, so we can move yeah. on to Brad of the Week. So who was your... Who is your screw-up this weekend? Yeah, I mean, somebody... if it's McLaren again. <laughs> I mean, it's not McLaren because they were just, like, shockingly bad. But this was, Kick, like... Kicking them while they're down. <laughs> no, Brad of the Week, for me, this was, like, a funny incident. So, uh, obviously, Aston Martin, they had a, you know, a, I would say a decent qualifying by their standards, a Q2 and a Q3 car. Um, but then this morning, or I guess this afternoon for us, you know, we heard that, like, oh, McLaren has to start, or Aston Martin has to start from the pit lane. You know, like... For about 20 minutes, we were like, oh, why are they starting from the pit lane? Then we find out from our good friend, I guess, Ted Kravitz, that um, Aston Martin, their fuel was too cold. Um, Now, obviously, like, there is this little niche that the colder the fuel is, the more horsepower it gets you when you put it in the engine. I don't know the science behind that. I don't know, Justin, if you do, um, but that's what they said on the broadcast. No, I honestly didn't even know that's the. I didn't even know that was the issue with it. I just know it was a fuel temperature issue. I didn't yeah. look into so it. Yeah, so they had to like heat the fuel to meet the FIA's minimum temperature regulation, and it like I made a joke about this, but like this is like that moment where your mom tells you to put the chicken out of the freezer, and then you forget, and she texts you that she's like five minutes away from home, and it's not out, and it's not nearly thawed enough. Oh my god! So you know, <laughs> I think it was just like pretty comical that after what was a pretty good Friday and Saturday for Aston Martin that they just kind of throw it all away and have to start from the pit lane because their fuel was in the fridge for too long. Yeah, I honestly was just dumbfounded because that seems like such an easy thing to make sure like that it doesn't happen that the fact it did to a team that is spending like tens of million dollars a year to be an <laughs> F1, like you should never be making those kinds of mistakes, which is kind of ridiculous. So like I I was just kind of laughing when they were showing that camera angle of yeah. the two Aston Martins in the pit lane while everyone else was lined up. And I, I don't even know what they were doing there. Also, speaking of camera angles, I must say this is just like super annoying and like <laughs> specific, but the way they broadcasted the race was, like, really bad, in my opinion. You didn't get many overhead shots. Yeah. And when you did, they were, like, so high that the resolution was just not that great. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope if they come back to Miami next year... Oh, well, obviously, they're coming back to Miami next year. But I hope that next year they figure out a better way to broadcast it because, like, there was no good way of knowing what was going on. And I know this is a new circuit, and no one really has yeah. it memorized yet except for the eSports drivers who have already been racing on it. But, you know, when we're at Spa, we know when we're on Eau Rouge. When we're at, I don't know, Austria, or when we're at Monza, we know when we're at the Parabolica. Like, there was nothing unique about this track or the way that it was broadcasted that made me be like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, you know, a spot that can be overtaken on. I, I honestly didn't even know yeah. what part of the track we were at 
when we were following a car. So I guess that's just a super nitpicky thing, but it did really bother me the whole entire race. Yeah, I know like last yesterday, and I don't even, I couldn't notice it during the race today. They like sometimes have this little graphic in the corner that tells you what turn we're at. Um, I don't know if that like helps at all, but that is something they did last year. I, in F1. I mean, it's in the corner, so it's not something I'm even constantly looking yeah. for. Yeah, I mean, there was like the one thing that I could tell, like the only part I really understood was that like very, very slow chicane that goes up and down that 14, 15, 16, and then 16 to 17 is the long straight. That was the only part I really Or the recognized. part next to like the little beachy area. That's yeah, like that that long right hander, and then that's like turn eleven and twelve, yeah. and then thirteen into fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Um, very technical part of the track. Very cool. Um, would have been nice. It, if that I was got, a cool part of the track. Would have been nice if I got better views of it. <laughs> um, oh yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I mean, like you said, first year here. Hopefully, it will improve for next year when we come back. Yeah, and just to move on to my brat of the week, it's going to Mick Schumacher for bottling his chance at points. No need to make a stupid lunge down the inside like that if you know you're not going to be able to stick it. Yeah, exactly. And just absolutely crash out Sebastian Vettel, who did not deserve that at all. But anyone who gets hit like that doesn't deserve it at all. So I don't know. I'm just kind of disappointed because now he's still sitting with zero points tied with Hulkenberg, who I don't even count, and Latifi, who is by far the worst driver of the grid yeah. so it's very disappointing that uh mick schumacher still doesn't have any points when he could have easily gotten some this race yeah and i think this is just adding fuel to that fire of um you know mazepin really covered up you know some of schumacher's inadequacies you know latifi is not doing that anymore magnuson is showing what that car can do you know maybe this was an off weekend for haas as a team but still mick schumacher five races in no points it's a little it's 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 a tough look and uh it, it's getting hard yeah to especially when when magnuson's sitting at 15 points you know that's a few finishes where he's like near the bottom half of the points so you know that he's been mm-hmm. doing it a few times because 15 is not like oh he got one time in p3 like he's gotten several points finishes schumacher should have at least one by now and the fact that he doesn't yeah. is kind of worrisome in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah i mean you know we said that like when maybe Bahrain Jeddah was a little early to say it, but now we're five races in. We have our sixth and seventh races in two and three weekends, respectively. I think Mick has to score points at one of those two races. Otherwise, I you know I think there have to be some very serious discussions about uh, you know what Haas might look like in the future. Not to say that Mick doesn't deserve a seat, but like seven races and you don't have points to show in any of them after your teammate scores in multiple races. I guess it'll depend on how well Magnussen does in Mm -hmm. these next two races compared to Schumacher. And then we can take another really good evaluation or actually like I would even give him until summer, the summer break. And then we can really like halfway through the season, evaluate his performance against Magnussen's and then really see who's well, I mean, we know who's doing better, but we can see (laughs) if there's like any pattern or rhyme or reason behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, Schumacher had, I mean, and it's not like he's not capable. We saw him in the points or like that P9 through 11 set of places for a lot of this race. I like, I don't know. It just seems like there's some of ex- some of that, some of that experience that needs to be had, but also he has the potential. So I'm not giving up hope just yet on Mick Schumacher. Yeah, neither am I. I still really want to see him succeed. So I'm not going to make fun of him. Like, like, I feel like we should be giving him the same treatment as Daniel Ricardo. But we're just so. But also, Ricardo's been in F one for like nearly a decade, so I actually don't feel that bad. 
Yeah, no, I mean, Ricardo knows what it's like to drive, you know, cars, like different kinds of cars. He's driven a very strong Red Bull car for multiple years. He's driven a Renault. He's driven now this McLaren. Like, I know they're different, but you have experience under you. As much as we should be comparing him to Mick, maybe, like you said, I I don't know. I think the standards should be, rightfully so, stricter on Daniel Ricardo. But I, I think we've been... I think we've been fairly critical of Schumacher due to his, you know, perceived lack of points, um, especially compared to Magnussen this season. Yeah, I don't think I need to dunk on Kevin Mag. I mean, not Kevin Magnussen. If I need to dump, dunk. Oh my gosh, Jesus! <laughs> I'm having an absolute nightmare right there. Um, I don't know if I need to dunk on Mick Schumacher anymore. Yeah. But without any further ado, I think we can get into the weekend podium mm-hmm. because this is the first time that there's an extra thing I want to mention. Normally, sometimes I struggle thinking of yeah. what the the three things on the podium are, but there are so many good things this weekend that I actually have an honorable mention this time, and that goes to the Sebastian Vettel overtake on Nicholas Latifi. Oh, my like, God, yeah. He just, like, the slow corner down the inside, it was so, so insane. Yeah, um, I think that is, that is the move that, you know, multiple WDCs and 10-plus years of racing experience in F1 get you. Um, you know, you don't see many overtakes like that, especially at a place like Turn 11 around that beach club section. I think very, very cool. Um, you know, unfortunate that Seb wasn't able to get more out of that overtake and obviously go on to finish higher in the race. You know, he had the DNF, obviously, like we've said. But, you know, a very cool moment nonetheless, and I think a worthy inclusion or a worthy honorable mention for this weekend's podium for us. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go given uh, our our judgment for P3? Yeah, are these in order on our doc? I don't know if this was like the correct order. Like, is P three like the third point we have? Oh yeah, P three is is this one? Is this one? Oh okay, okay, okay. Um, so P three we've written down Max being good in this Red Bull car that had problems all weekend with zero practice. You know, we mentioned this at the beginning of the episode that Max five laps, pretty much four or five laps on Friday, no practice on the second session on Friday. Then he gets an hour on track on Saturday, and then he drops Q3. You know, even in qualifying, he did not have a great Q3. His second flying lap, he went off track, he made a mistake, and he was in he was in P3 to start the race today. Great overtake at turn one. You know, he got the better of Carlos Sainz. We've said enough about Carlos, but Max had to be on the other side of that. So great move from him. And then once the DRS was activated, he, he made that overtake down the DRS straight, right? Or was it down the, or was it somewhere else? I think it was down the DRS straight. Yeah, that long back straight, but still. Or it was like happening into a turn that he gained a bunch of time on because of oh, the straight. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, an overtake is an overtake. And I think a great performance from him all weekend. Even once he was in the lead, it takes a lot to build such a gap. You know, he was at some points, what, like seven seconds clear of Leclerc, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, no practice, very minimal practice. We saw what went wrong in Checo's Red Bull for a little bit there. You know, obviously his own car had a brake issue. They had to refit the entire rear braking system when it blew up on Friday. So, you know, for a car that's looked a little shaky through this first part of the season, a great performance from Max Verstappen so far, I would say. Yeah, I was really impressed with that, especially with how little, again, practice he had over the weekend. I was just worried that he was going to show up to the race. The Red Bull was going to break by lap 10, and I was just going to be sad the rest of the race. But (laughs) the fact that he... The fact that he ended up pulling out a race win is very, very impressive to me. And I think it's a sign to show that, you know, just because Ferrari looked really dominant those first three races or so, 
it looks like it's going to come down to whose mm-hmm. car is better at what track, who gets the better setup. So we're going to have a very, very interesting battle. So um, uh, without further ado, P2, I already used that phrase earlier, but P2, we're going with Russell for coming up with his own wonderful pit stop strategy. I mm-hmm. think Martin Brundle or uh, Crofty were talking about how Russell was the one to call the strategy for Mercedes that he was going to stay out and wait for the safety car. And that ended up being the right decision. Like we were saying, he had a really bad start to the race, dropped back to P15, and that was even after qualifying P12. So just a nightmare Saturday, nightmare beginning of the race. And then he ends up finishing the car in P5. I mean, that's impressive, and that's great racecraft from Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, I mean, you know, we heard the radio. His engineer, his race engineer, was saying, you know, what are your thoughts on boxing? And he said... I'm fine to keep going. Let's play a VSC. Let's play a safety car. And then lo and behold, a few laps later, Norris DNF or he collides with Gasly. And then we're straight into a safety car period. George Russell gets a free or a pretty cheap stop. And he maintains that P5 after effectively making up 10 places. So, you know, I think a worthy P2 um, on this weekend's podium. And then I guess yeah, I and then one. Oh, yes, please. Um, is the Russell versus Hamilton battle that we didn't see a lot of. Um, you Again, know. it was because Leclerc yeah. and Verstappen were within a second of each other, but yeah. they were showing it for a bit, and it was looking amazing. And Lewis even complained, hey, like, looks like I kind of got the bad end of the strategy. Like, okay, dude, yeah. wh- whatever. I mean, I mean yeah. it was just a good strategy call by George Russell. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really fault him for that. But I kept seeing their names switch places during those last few laps. And I really wanted to um, open up my laptop and look up one of their streams on uh, FMTV yeah, Pro. Yeah. But I, I ended up being too lazy to do it. But yeah. I probably will go back and watch like those last five, six laps between those two. Because it looked like they were going like wheel to wheel through like a bunch of turns. Yeah. I mean, we got like a replay of it of I think the final overtake Russell made on Hamilton to solidify his P5. You know, I think this is good for Mercedes. I mean, obviously, you don't want to double DNF like Spain in 2016 where Lewis and Rosberg collide. Oh, God, um, no. You know, I think it's good to see that George is performing so well so quickly in the Mercedes. Um, He knows clearly that he can salvage situations. You know, even even if you just take a P12 to a P5, that is a great drive on any day at any circuit. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. And, you know, P6 for Lewis, he doesn't move anywhere. He just kind of stayed where he was. Um, But... You know, I think good for where Mercedes are right now. I think this is kind of their peak, maybe. I mean, maybe you could steal a P3, P4, but the way Red Bull and Ferrari I work think today, we'll see them on the podium. Yeah, I, I we'll don't know. We'll see them on the podium yeah. eventually with the reliability of the Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know when they both might DNF. So I don't think this is the end of Mercedes. Uh, again, oh, yeah, like definitely. I said earlier, I don't think they're going to be competing for the WCC, but this has just shown that you know, these upgrades are working and they're finally kind of turning things around. Mm So I'm excited to see what's happening the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to say about the weekend podium. So can you give us a score update on formula one-on-one? Yes. So after tallying the points for this weekend, um, I am now leading by 10 points again, which is, yay. I I mean, you got the max win, but I have the one-on-one lead. So I'll take what I can get, I guess. Um, you know, we both predicted Max to win the race. I predicted Charles to take pole, so that is plus 20 for me there, but just plus 10 for you, Justin. You got the Mercedes 10 points for their average finish position. They've had an average finish position of 5.5. I predicted 4. You took 4.5, so plus 10 for you. 
But then we picked, you know, two highest finishers from people outside of the points in Imola. We both took Carlos Sainz. I took Fernando Alonso. You took Daniel Daniel Ricardo. This one was actually really close. I, I know I sh- I knew I shouldn't have done I it. Know. I knew I, I shouldn't <laughs> have done it. When you were looking at me and you were like, why would you choose Daniel Ricardo? I was like, you know what? I have faith in him this weekend. <laughs> but this has proven to me indubitably that Daniel Ricardo will never earn my trust again. This is this is your anti-George Russell moment. Like what happened with me at Spa last year, betting against George Russell, you bet on Daniel Ricardo, <laughs> and it cost you. Um, but I get 10 points there. So 30 for me for the weekend, 20 for you for the weekend. Um, and that puts us... At I believe, um, I'm just gonna ask for a short drum roll while I open the tab because I so foolishly closed it. Um, drum roll, still drum rolling because my Wi-Fi sucks at college. A little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm leading by a score of 215 to 210 or 205. Sorry, 205. Okay, you know a 10 point deficit isn't the yeah. worst thing in the world. Easily overcomable. Yeah. I'll just predict a few more max race wins, max polls, exactly. and, and exactly. we'll be right on our dandy way. Yeah, I think that this is, you know, like the constructors. Can we can the, we set a goal to come up with a like an official prize for Formula One on yeah. One by next formation <laughs> we, lap episode? We keep saying we this, say we're gonna yeah. do it every time, and then we never figure it out. Yeah. Um. By the next formation lap, so Spain formation lap, which is in two weeks minus like what f- four days, I think. So like ten days. So May eighteenth. We will have an official prize to share with everyone um, as to what it'll be. It'll be super high stakes. Yeah, so something crazy. Um, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. And that is about it for this weekend, Justin. I don't know if you have anything else to add um, when it comes to this inaugural Miami Grand Prix weekend here. No, I mean, I really enjoyed the weekend overall. Like I said in the Formation Lap episode, I kind of just enjoyed the spectacle of American races. I mean, we had free race <laughs> coverage like for two hours before the that race, is which true. is what I love to see, it kind of reminds me of football Sundays when you're kind oh of just God, waiting the yeah. whole day for your team to play. So it was really exciting just seeing everything and kind of just made me even more hyped for when me and you go down oh to my Austin God. in a few yes, months dude. I get like, to experience yeah. it ourselves. So, yeah. I'm so excited. Like, you know, even just seeing on TV last year, like, like I guess it's like a weird thing, but like Ben Stiller, like Shaq, Matthew McConaughey, like all these celebrities at Coda. And now like we get to Miami and it's Tom Brady, David Beckham. Uh, who else is there? Bad Bunny. Um, like, who else is there? The, the Williams sisters. Um, Bad DJ Bunny Cowell. autographed Max Verstappen's car before the race. Yeah, because um, Bad Bunny, he has a he has a Max Verstappen lyric on his new album. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on the Red Bull Twitter yesterday. Yeah. And then I added it to my playlist very yeah. swiftly. I think they also have like a like a piece of their livery is like a Bad Bunny thing on the rear wing, which is really cool. Yeah, on, on the inside of the rear wing. Yes, that's yes. what he signed. Yes, um, which is super cool. Um, I guess, you know, Formula One becoming more and more integrated with pop culture, which is great to see. Um, but, you know, like you said, I'm excited for Coda. I'm excited for two weeks in Spain. Um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, so without anything else to say, I think we can kind of wrap it up. Thank you for listening mm-hmm. to this episode. Uh, follow us on our socials at f one on one pod that's the number one tiktok twitter and instagram and we will see you presumably the next time uh in a in like 10 days for yeah. the spain formation lap episode all right peace out guys see ya